Hi, everyone. This is Sheila Zielinski with an expose, and I'm calling this expose Another Jesus Calling. That's right. I'm doing an expose on the most popular Christian devotional, which is Sarah Young's Jesus Calling, which is a phenomenon that shows no signs of slowing down. According to publisher Thomas Nelson, it continues to grow in units sold each year since it was released and surpassed 30 million copies sold. Nelson is involved now in an expansive new marketing campaign that involves a new website and daily radio devotionals. ECPA reports that Thomas Nelson began its partnership with the Salem Media Group, that's a nice name, to provide 60-second daily messages carried on more than 100 stations nationwide and worldwide on Sirius XM Radio. The Jesus Calling Radio devotional reaches, they say, more than a million people each day throughout the segments. And with 30 million copies sold, it's marched its way into rare company. My expose is going to examine this super mega sensation, top-selling, very popular, Jesus Calling, written by Sarah Young, who has several of these devotionals. But not only that, now she has other devotionals with other names, including the new 365-day devotional, Jesus Always, Jesus Today, Jesus Lives, Dear Jesus, Jesus Calling for Little Ones, Jesus Calling for Teens, Jesus Calling Bible Storybook, Jesus Calling the 365 Devotions for Kids, and finally, Peace in His Presence. This is a $30 million a year levy. There's a Facebook page. Tons of people are involved in this. Millions of readers, most of them proclaiming Christians, are turning to Jesus calling for messages and inspiration they believe are from Jesus himself. And if you look at the overwhelming likes on their Facebook page, it's popular, it's trendy, church leaders are promoting it, people are doing studies on it. And I've asked this question before, in this day of the seeker-friendly, emergent, group hug social clubs we call churches, that's right, the three hymns and a PowerPoint, nothing about Jesus' church of today, many people are turning to their own experiences over the real truth of the gospel the real truth of God's word that can be found only in the scriptures. Let's face it, in this day of safe spaces and emotional equality, people would rather feel a presence than know God through his word. Dr. Daniel Morano and I have talked many times about how false Christs are entering the church through contemplative prayer, new age, and full-blown witchcraft. So let's get into this. So recently, a friend of mine and I decided to see for ourselves, so we called a massive sampling of Christian bookstores throughout North America. This includes ones from almost every province in Canada and every state in the United States of America. Although very time-consuming, we had one goal. We wanted to know what was the absolute top-selling Christian devotional. Now, I did a similar video on this about two years ago, but I thought it was time to revisit it since there's now six more additional devotionals by the same author and millions of readers coming on board a month. These are proclaiming Christians that are turning to Jesus calling for inspiration from what they believe is Jesus. But I asked the question for you to ponder, is this Jesus calling? Well, at the end of this expose, after you've contemplated all the information, I ask you 
you to be the judge. So let's take a look at this incredibly popular devotion by Sarah Young. Now, several years ago, I watched a video of Sarah Young where she said she channeled two New Age books along with she in that interview gave a very hearty endorsement of God Calling, which was a channeled book that inspired Sarah Young to try and receive her own personal messages from Jesus through channeling and automatic writing. Now, channeling has become one of the paramount landmarks of the New Age movement. In the original Inspired by God Calling, Thomas Nelson, the publisher, realized that it wasn't helpful. Hmm, gee, I wonder why. Well, someone else famous channeled her books, too. High-level witch and occultist Alice Bailey said she channeled her 24 volumes of the occult. That's right. They were dictated telepathically to Alice Bailey by the master Dijual Kul, or DK as she refers to him, the Tibetan initiate of the Trans-Himalayan Brotherhood and the disciple of Master Kut Humi, who Bailey says passed what she calls the fifth initiation in 1875. That was the same year the Theosophical Society was founded by Madame Helena Blavatsky, who inspired much of Bailey's writings. Both of these women, who were high-level witches, wrote extensively about their vision of a unified society, including a global spirit of religion, different from traditional religions, including the concept of the Age of Aquarius. Their works describe a wide-ranging system of esoteric thought, covering topics such as how spirituality relates to the solar system, meditation, healing, spiritual psychology, the destiny of nations, and prescriptions for society in general. Pulled from Theosophy, which is Theosophy, I can tell you, is straight out of the pit of hell. It is a collection of mystical and occultist philosophies seeking direct knowledge of the presumed mysteries of life, the nature of divinity, and the origin and purposes of the universe, which shockingly parallels verbatim phrases out of Aleister Crowley's books. Aleister Crowley was known to be the most evil man in the world, and he achieved the highest rank of warlockism known to date. Also, Albert Pike, the poster boy of Freemasonry, who wrote Morals and Dogma, the monumental work of Albert Pike, who wrote this, by the way, Lucifer the Light Bearer, strange and mysterious name to give to the spirit of darkness, Lucifer the Son of the Morning, it is he who bears the light, and with its splendors intolerable, blinds feeble, sensual or selfish souls, doubt it not. The secret teachings of all ages, Manly P. Hall, actually uses the phrase, channeling is important, Channeling, we know, can be traced back to the ancient religions of Egypt and the Near East, and we should pay special attention to how to do it. Hmm, really, because, well, let's look at a Bible injunction on this topic of channeling spirit mediums. We see the commandments given to Moses right after the exodus from Egypt, expressly forbidding communication with spirit mediums or going to one who inquires of the dead. Deuteronomy 18.11 and Leviticus 19.31 specifically highlight this. The Mosaic law prescribed the death penalty both for the medium and for the person who sought out the medium for advice. You do well to read Leviticus 20, verse 6, and Leviticus 27. Indeed, one of the chief reasons that King Saul, the first king of Israel, 
was slain for going to one who had a familiar spirit to inquire of it. First Chronicles 10.13. 700 years after Mount Sinai in the days of Isaiah, the prohibition still remained. Those who sought information from mediums and wizards were to be answered brusquely. Let's see in Isaiah 8.19. Should not a people seek their God instead? Should they seek the dead on behalf of the living? What does Paul warn us about if another Jesus is preached? For if he that cometh preach another Jesus whom we have not preached, or if ye receive another spirit which ye have not received, or another gospel which ye have not accepted, ye might well bear with him. 2 Corinthians 11.4 And let's take a look at a very important scripture. 1 Timothy 4.1 Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to what? Seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Well, speaking of doctrines of devils, let's get back to the book. The unusual language by the Jesus of Jesus calling is very disturbing to me. It seems to run the gamut from Jesus being an everyday Joe Schmo with strange word choice, unwarranted flattery, worldly cliches, repetitive phrases, disparaging comments, and not-so-subtle mockery. Let's look at one example. In Jesus Calling, the word presence is capitalized. I've found at least a hundred examples. Not one time does the living God call himself the presence in the Bible. But I'll tell you where you will find the word presence capitalized. In a book made very popular by Oprah, remember A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle? It talks about the presence with a capital P. You decide, like a luminous, let the dew of my presence, capital P, gently rain on your conscience. Hmm, that's troubling. What's also troubling is Jesus' calling promotes a very mystical devotion to God and is based on words from Jesus beyond scripture. As we will see, Sarah Young puts new age, pantheistic ideas, and mysticism into the mouth of Jesus Christ himself. Jesus Calling presents this very romantic, sensual relationship to Jesus that is entirely inappropriate. In the book, Young has Jesus repeatedly saying, whisper my name. That sounds more like 50 shades of weirdo. The romanticism and the sensuality evidently appeals to many readers. The primary category in Jesus Calling is this term, awareness of presence. That's found 68 times. There are also synonyms such as consciousness of presence and other, again, pantheistic New Age ideologies. For example, Listen to this from Jesus Calling from January 20th, 2013. Shimmering hues of radiance tap gently at your consciousness, seeking entrance. Though I have all power in heaven and on earth, I'm infinitely tender with you. Let your weakness be a door to my presence, capital P. I decided to reread Eckhart Tolle to see how often he used the words awareness, consciousness, and presence. I was shocked that it was almost on every second page. The terminology is amazingly similar in this very New Age book. Yeah, that's right, Toll being a New Age guru of sorts, 
How could they sound so much the same? Well, the Bible gives us very clear teaching on the need for means of discerning spirits. Let's read in 1 John 4, 1 through 3. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out in the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, of which you have heard, that is coming, and now it is already in the world. First John 4, 1 through 3. Notice that the spirits speak through human messengers. When Sarah Young claims that the words of her book are somehow the words of Jesus, it's rather off-putting to her readers. Clearly, people that are reading this devotional have no discernment. They believe that Jesus is a romantic mystic who wants us to respond accordingly. Well, let's stack this so-called prophet whose words are channeled. Let's stack it against biblical sources. Let me read you a phrase and you tell me where you think it comes from. Only presence, capital P, can free you of the ego, and you can only be present now, not yesterday of tomorrow. Only presence can undo the past in you and thus transform your state of consciousness. Well, this comes from Eckhart Tolle's book, A New Earth, page 78. Tolle then goes on in this paragraph to cite Buddha and Jesus. In fact, Tolle cites Jesus over 30 times and the title of his book comes from the Bible. Young claims that the entire 365 days of her devotional book are citations of Jesus. So why does Young's Jesus speak ideas more akin to Eckhart Tolle's pantheism than the Bible? Eckhart Tolle actually cites Bible verses in his book, then he takes them completely out of context. As I mentioned earlier, identify the categories awareness of presence and synonyms. It's actually used so often it could be considered the theme of her book. The most prominent category is romantic intimacy, and I found that more than 40 times, what I call modern psychobabble another 30 times. And much of this is rather shocking to me. It's disturbing and alarming and more shocking to me to know that millions of Christian readers bought this book, use this book, and apparently see nothing wrong with it. The Facebook pages, the serious radio devotional, the fact that me and another person spent as much time as we did phoning every we didn't assume it was being sold. We actually phoned Christian bookstores to back that up. You're welcome to have our list. If you would like it, I will email you every single store that we phoned because we document it. Let's look at another entry in Jesus Calling, October 8th. You need to look beyond the flux of circumstances and discover me gazing lovingly back at you. This awareness of my presence, capital P, strengthens you as you receive and respond to my love. Here you have psychological counsel, mysticism, and romanticism woven into it. These are the themes that dominate Young's books and writings. Well, let's check out May 23rd, shall we? Let me infuse my presence into your thoughts. As your mind stops racing, your body relaxes, and you regain awareness of me, there are actually more 
than four dimensions in this world where you live. In addition to the three dimensions of space and the one of time, there is the dimension of openness to my presence. This phrase is straight out of Deepak Chopra's Quantum Healing, 1989, page 52. It also is repeated in his book entitled, this is again Deepak Chopra, New Age Mystic, The Book of Secrets, Unlocking the Hidden Dimensions of Your Life, verbatim out of this book. So here Young teaches not only Vedic Hinduism and Eastern mysticism, she's claiming the spiritual source is Jesus. This is rather shocking as it is in the entire book. This contradicts the Apostle John's teaching the tangibility of Jesus who bodily ascended to heaven. John was an apostle who spoke authoritatively for God who had seen Jesus Christ come in the flesh. Sarah Young has not. First John 1, 1 through 3. What was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our own hands concerning the word of life and the life was manifested and we have seen and testify and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us what we have seen and heard we proclaim to you also. And indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus' calling portrays a spirit Jesus, this subjective encounter with a metaphysical being and calls it awareness of present. Even Eckhart Tolle does that. Deepak Chopra does that. Yet Young has sold far more than 20 million books to Christians. There are a lot of other biblical problems with awareness of presence. Listen to what Jesus says. Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will also come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. John 14, 1-3. Notice the biblical apostle teaches faith, not awareness. They were troubled at the idea of Jesus' departure. They were not called to learn how to become mystics who had consciousness of Jesus' presence in some metaphysical manner, but as believers who knew that the Savior would come again boldly and bring them to himself and give us the promise of the Holy Spirit. This is the promise of God, not the consciousness of mystics, awareness, and consciousness. New Age mystics have awareness of present. Believers have faith in Jesus Christ who boldly ascended to heaven. Jesus Christ promised to send the Holy Spirit, which he did on the day of Pentecost. His presence with us is a promise to be believed, not an altered state of consciousness. His promise is true because he is fully human and fully God. God cannot lie. God is the object of our faith. Jesus is the object of our faith. Believing God and his promises, that's not the same as being in an altered state of consciousness. Let's look here at October 25th. I am God with you for all time and throughout eternity. Don't let the familiarity of that concept numb its impact on your consciousness. Strive to remain conscious of my presence, even in your busiest moments. Got a newsflash for you. The Bible never mentions consciousness of presence or consciousness of awareness but rather the problem of the consciousness of sin. The pagans of our time are wed to the spirituality of nature, religion, and romantic feelings attached to nature. We need to reject pagan spirituality and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, who has spoken to us once and for all in the Bible. 
Nature's fallen and impersonal, and it cannot save us. Being conscious of imminent nature-based spirituality keeps millions in bondage to their sin and away from the Savior. It's a form of pantheism by blending apparent mysticism and nature with this idea that the great goddess Gaia, Mother Nature, is inherently alive and must deal with the infestation that is human beings. Again, Mother Earth, the great goddess Gaia. This is one of the fundamental underpinnings of the entire green movement, right up to this word, climate change. Remember, humans are causing global warming. Agenda 21, I wrote the book on it, Green Gospel, the New World Religion. This religion of environmentalism is nothing more than a cunning mixture of mysticism and feminism and paganism brought into the seemingly benevolent idea of saving the planet. Well, let's go back to the romantic intimacy that portrays Jesus as a romantic lover with which one should strive to find greater intimacy. Let's listen here in the June 14th entry. For years, you swam around in a sea of meaninglessness, searching for love, hoping for hope. All that time I was pursuing you, aching to embrace you in my compassionate arms. I sang you a love song whose beginning and end are veiled in eternity. Really? Veiled in eternity? Aching to embrace you? This whole lovey-dovey mystic romanticism, this whole approach to the gospel, it avoids the issue of God's wrath against sin and portrays Jesus as this needy, feckless, jilted lover who hopes to someday get the sinner to agree to his offer to become a lover? This isn't the Bible, this isn't the gospel, and this isn't anything that the biblical apostles preached. In fact, if anything, we were God's enemies, abiding and deserving only his wrath and are commanded to repent. We're not misdirected people looking for love in all the wrong places. Jesus is not the needy one. We are the wretched enemies of the living God who need mercy, lest we perish in hell, in a devil's hell. Well, it's clear that Young obviously does not see it that way, nor does she write this way. Well, let's look at another entry from March 31st. The more intimately you experience me, the more convinced you become of my goodness. I am the living one who sees you and longs to participate in your life. There are some serious problems with the concept of this romantic intimacy attributed to this mystical Jesus in this singular personal way. The biblical idea of Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, is not an individual who's lonely and desires some sort of spiritual romance. Let's read another one from October 2nd, shall we? Never take for granted my intimate nearness. Marvel at the wonder of my continual presence, capital P, with you. Even the most ardent human lover cannot be with you always, nor can another person know the intimacies of your heart, mind, and spirit. I, the lover of your soul, understand you perfectly and love you eternally. You know, I searched a number of literal Bible translations for the term intimacy, and guess what? I found the term intimacy and intimacies a number of times in the horribly done paraphrase that I believe is straight out of hell, The Message Bible by Mr. Mystic Eugene Peterson. And only one of those applied to Young's category of intimacy with God. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 14, 4 and 5 in The Message Bible. The one who prays using a private prayer language certainly gets a lot out of it, but proclaiming God's truth to the church in its common language brings the whole church into growth and strength. I want all of you to develop 
intimacies with God in prayer. 1 Corinthians 14, 4 and 5, The Message. Peterson takes the phrase edifies himself used to describe the results of speaking in tongues and calls it to develop intimacies with God? That is shocking. And the message uses intimacy in other verses to literally describe relations between a man and a woman. Literal translations do not do this. But then again, mystics such as Eugene Peterson and Sarah Young constantly use this terminology. This is inappropriate given the truth that Jesus ascended into heaven and sent the Holy Spirit to be our comforter. He, the Spirit, the Holy Ghost, indwells believers when we are baptized in the Holy Ghost. It's not some promised work of some special class of Christian mystics. One request that Young attributes to Jesus a number of times, and I said this earlier, is this phrase, whisper my name. This contributes to the sense of Again, romantic intimacy. Let's look at May 2nd. When you are with other people, you often lose sight of my presence. When you realize this has happened, whisper my name. This tiny act of trust brings me to the forefront of your consciousness. Wow. Why would Jesus want his name whispered? We're to go boldly to his throne, not whispering softly. We have access to the throne of grace in prayer, Hebrews 4.16. Where in the Bible does Jesus tell us that we need consciousness of his presence? Nowhere. Consider what Mary Magdalene, who saw the resurrected Christ, was told by Jesus. Jesus said to her, Mary, stop clinging to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brethren and say to them, I ascend to my Father and your Father and my God and your God. Here we see again the resurrected Christ prepared those who knew him during the time of his earthly ministry for his ascension and therefore his absence. Mary clung to him as if she would lose him again. But Young's version of this takes the unbiblical idea of Christ's consciousness and whispering his name as a substitute for what Mary wanted. But rather than either of these, Jesus Christ has offered all his people access to the throne of grace and the insurance that he intercedes for us at the right hand of the Father. Young uses Eastern ideas and unbiblical mystic practices to thwart the promises of God that we have by faith alone. This is seriously wrong, folks, and this is putting false teachings in the mouth of Jesus Christ himself. And that's not only apostasy, that is blasphemy. Take a listen to this doozy right here. As you spend time in my presence, my thoughts gradually form in your mind. Sometimes he enables you to hear me speak directly to you. Take time to listen to my voice. December 4th. Young's book is completely predicated on the idea that God speaks through Jesus Christ beyond Scripture. In other words, this mystical voice becomes the foundation of faith rather than Scripture alone. Young claims that these voices are not equal to Scripture, but in practice, she actually puts, well, as Jesus Calling reveals, she puts more weight on them than she does the Bible. This, folks, is a false mystical gospel. Can you stomach any more? Let's look at August 21st. I have much to tell you. You are walking along the path I have chosen for you. It is both a privileged and perilous way, experiencing my glorious presence and heralding that reality to others. Sometimes you feel presumptuous carrying out such an assignment. Do not worry about what other people think of you. August 21st. In other words, you know, never mind what other people think. Who cares what things appear to be? 
Never mind what you're doing or what it looks like or what people think of you. What does it say in 1 Thessalonians 5 in verse 22? Well, let's read 21 and 22. Prove all things, hold fast that which is good, abstain from all appearances of evil. You know, those who draw near to God through him are those who come in faith according to God's terms revealed in the gospel. We can only draw near because of the blood atonement offered once for all. This doesn't describe mystics who supposedly learned spiritual secrets. Let's look at a January 28th installment here in Jesus Calling. When my presence is the focal point of your consciousness, all the pieces of your life fall into place. Jesus and his apostles, they never equated the promise of Jesus Christ's presence to a state of awareness, consciousness, or source of special revelation beyond scripture. We need faith in God's promises, not some version of Christ consciousness. The common denominator of all mysticism and paganism is the journey inward. You can even see this prevalent in Buddhism. The journey inward, the idea to quiet the mind, the space where one supposedly meets with God. This is according to Deepak Chopra, Vedic Hinduism, mysticism. This is also promoted in the Kundalini, awakening the third eye, opening the chakras. They say you have to go inward. In Buddhism, this journey inward is transcending a state in which there is no sense of self and the subject finally gets released from the effects of karma and the cycle of death and rebirth. It's the final goal of Buddhism and it's called moksha, but other people actually call it nirvana, essentially freedom from the endless cycle of personal reincarnation. It transcends suffering, karma, and it's the ultimate desire of individual consciousness. It's the place of perfect, blissful peace and happiness, like heaven. In Hinduism and Buddhism, nirvana is pretty much the highest state that someone can attain, a state of enlightenment. Perfection, in other words. Well, let's listen to an April 14th installment, shall we? This is Jesus Calling. I meet you in the stillness of your soul. It is there I seek to commune with you. Stillness of soul is increasingly rare in this world, addicted to speed and noise. I am pleased with your desire to create a quiet space where you can transcend and you and I can meet. Hmm. Transcend, huh? You know, it's amazing. I read here in Matthew 18, 20, for where two or three have gathered together in my name, I am there in their midst. This isn't the stillness of our soul, but it's with a gathering of other people. It's not some mystical encounter that may or may not be from God. You know what? The errors in Young's book that she shockingly attributes to Jesus are so many that one really has to wonder what's happened to discernment. Hardly a person has batted an eye. Hardly a protest has been raised about this best-selling devotional. That's right. Best-selling even here at the end of 2017. It's still a best-selling devotional. Let's read John 6, 4, 4. No one can come to me unless a father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. In Young's theology, Jesus says this, September 6, teaching you would be simple if I negated your free will or overwhelmed you with my power. However, I love you too much to withdraw the godlike privilege I bestowed upon you as my image bearer. How about this one in August 1st? Most of mankind's misery stems from feeling unloved. Well, here Young dispenses 
pop psychology in the name of Jesus Christ, covering categories such as negative thinking, feeling unloved, needing a safe space, taking herself too serious, and so forth. This is psychological theory meets bad theology. The problem of humanity isn't feeling unloved. It's sin and rebellion. Even in the introduction, Sarah Young confesses her dissatisfaction with what God has revealed in Scripture. Listen to this. This is in her own words. I knew that God communicated me with through the Bible, but I yearned for more. I wanted to hear what God had to say to me personally on any given day. You know what? If God is talking to you on any given day and it contradicts the Word of God, well, then something stinks in Denmark. Because what is Satan a master of? He is a master of subtly deceiving people. And let me tell you, anybody reading this book is deceived on a grand scale. Jesus' calling is not a devotion. Her mysticism and pantheism woven with feminism has far more in common with various New Age philosophies than any apostle's teaching. Jesus Christ and his apostles, they never taught us to become aware of his presence so we can experience metaphysical impressions from the spirit world. This is not the Jesus Christ come in the flesh, which the apostle John made the key to discernment. How could this book dupe so many Christians? Well, such a book could only be possible and become a huge bestseller in an age of complete apostasy. You know what these principles are in Jesus Calling, folks? they are I'll tell you what they're introducing to people. Some subtly and some not so subtly. New Age occult witchcraft, New Age channeling, spiritual dictation, creative visualization, meditation. Oh, and get this, divine alchemy. Alchemy is just another name, folks, for witchcraft. Practicing the presence like you were some Vedic mystic. Co-creation with God consciousness like it was an everyday Christian fair. This is a very troubling and deeply occult devotional. Sarah Young does not hear from Jesus, nor does she speak for God. And that's the most troubling aspect of the book is that that's the very premise. She herself says she hears from Jesus and dutifully brings his message to her readers. Oh, there's something calling in this book, all right, but it's not Jesus. And let's not forget again her proclaiming the insufficiency of the scripture. Oh, she says, I've been writing in prayer journals for years, and that was a one-way communication. I did all the talking, but I yearned for more, and I wanted to hear what God had to say to me on a moment-by-moment base. Well, guess what, folks? 2 Timothy 3.16-17 says, All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and training in righteousness. It's not about achieving nirvana. It's not about romantic intimacy. And the fact that she tells of her discovery of the book God Calling and the way she modeled her practice of listening on it, that is channeling and automatic writing. Remember, God Calling was written by two listeners, they call themselves. These women practice waiting quietly in God's presence. Yeah, more like these women were witches inspired by demons. Oh, by the way, it's worth noting that recent versions of Jesus Calling have been scrubbed of the information that she talks about in her first book, in the very first edition, when she was talking about her book being modeled by God Calling. Why would they scrub that information? 
I'll tell you what, God Calling, there's an equally troubling book. Sarah Young says this is the book that she regards as a not only a treasure, but a model for her own work. Sarah Young mimics occult practices and witchcraft. Not just the way she received her revelation from Jesus smacks of the occult, but again, it is overwhelmingly, strikingly similar to the automatic writing that a lot of high-level psychics, occultists, and witches do. None of her emphasis match the Bible's. She never speaks of sin and repentance and even speaks less about Jesus' finished work on the cross. Even the tone of this book doesn't match the Bible. It's undeniable. The Jesus of Sarah Young? It sounds more like Alice Bailey and Madame Blavatsky's writings, Manly P. Hall, Albert Pike, and Alistair Crowley. It sounds much closer to what they wrote. And I think it's really interesting that her book has been corrected. Most people don't know that Jesus Calling has undergone a lot of revisions, not only in the introduction where she removed, and I have copies of it too, where she references God Calling, but also in the words she claims to have received received from Jesus. This, of course, casts even further doubt on the trustworthiness of the revelation she claims she receives. After all, why would words from Jesus need to be revised? Did he change? Did she mishear him? There's no good option here other than doubt all that she's ever claimed to receive from Jesus Christ. Oh, and by the way, I do not doubt that she's channeling something, but I guarantee it is not Jesus Christ. More like channeling demons. And here's the deal. I could go on and on all day with more and more examples, but you get the picture. Jesus calling, folks, is straight out of the pit of hell as far as I'm concerned. It is nothing more than a complete cornucopia of occult, new age, witchcraft, and sorcery. If you have this book, you need to get rid of it. If you know anyone with this book, they need to get rid of it. You need to have this conversation. This is a very serious thing. This is not just, oh, well, someone has the devotional. That's unfortunate. No, this is really serious. This book causes confusion, which could slip you right into a devil's hell. There needs to be public outcry in the Christian church. Are we supposed to just shrug our shoulders when we know something's wrong? What does Ephesians 5.11 tell us? Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. The King James says, reprove them. There you go, folks. And you know what the biggest tragedy is that it's leading people away from God's means of grace that is so sweet and satisfying. And like I said in the beginning, folks, millions of readers, most of them proclaiming Christians, are turning to Jesus calling in droves. This very trendy devotional has the fastest growing number of Christians turning to contemplative mystical practices to experience God. And why do I feel an urgency to have you understand this is because I find it very troubling to see witchcraft, new age, and occult practices and concepts being woven into the church at mock speed and church leaders promoting this? Is Sarah Young's Jesus the Jesus of the Bible? Well, you decide. I hope you like this expose. I would love to hear feedback from you. Go to my website at sheila.media. That's S-H-E-I-L-A dot media. Sheila dot media. We'll see you again real soon. Good night and God bless.